what do you think that's important fundamentals to know when it comes down to real estate? Really good question. So the fundamentals you should always know about real estate or anyone considering pursuing real estate, whether as an investment, primary home or anything similar, is that you're listening to On The Go Voice podcast, the best generational podcast you'll ever tune into. Listen to the voices of this generation where we seek to identify values, stimulate discussions, and vocalize the community. So I'm, I'm glad that you're on and involved, bro. I'm ready to start tackling this topic because I myself, I've yeah. been a little, like, I started a little bit of, like, uh, learning about real estate uh, about a year ago with a friend. And it's always been in my mind. So it is something that I look forward to to adding into my portfolio when it comes down to making a source of income. And uh, with that being said, for people who are coming in, let's let's actually touch into the basics when it comes down to real estate. Um, why don't we first start? What is real estate? You know? Yeah, uh, good question. So the textbook definition of real estate is going to be ownership of land and or building. Um, to add to that, it's not a dictionary, but like if you're buying a condo, you're really just buying the airspace. So uh, that's that's what's important about real estate. They're not making it anymore. That's why it always appreciates. So that that's something to keep in mind. That's that's simply what real interesting. estate. Interesting. Yeah. So what what do you think that's important fundamentals to know when it comes down to real estate? Like, uh, I I myself haven't even thought about this question to myself as well. Yeah, I get really good question. So the fundamentals you should always know about real estate or anyone considering pursuing real estate, whether as an investment, primary home or anything similar, is that you need to ask yourself two things. Um, number or you need to ask yourself one thing. And the second thing is to keep in mind. So the first thing you ask yourself is when was the best time to buy real estate? And the answer to that is 20 years ago. Okay, cool. When's the second best time to buy real estate? Okay. Today. Today's the best time. So the answer to that is always going to be, it was the best thing to buy real estate was always yesterday. Yesterday, because it always appreciates. You're never in the losing side when you buy real estate, because in the end, time is, is always going to help you get back on track, get back that equity and that principal pay down. It, it always makes sense for you. And we, we're going to go into a little deeper into that as further, further into the podcast. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. That always ask yourself, when was the best time? The second thing to keep in mind is that you should never worry about overpaying for a property um, because there's two things that you should keep in mind right there. Number one is that let's say me and Charles are trying to buy the same house. I'm willing to offer 500,000. Charles offers 510. And I say, I really don't want to pay 515 because I feel like I'm overpaying. Right. But now you need to keep two things in mind. Number one is if you're, if you're willing to pay 515, someone else can be willing to pay 515. Nice. So that's number one. And, and the second part to that piece is that if you're willing to pay 515, that's great. The bank's not going to loan you something on if the house isn't worth it. So if I'm trying to, to, um, to buy the house that, at 515 and the bank says, I, I, I see how much you love this house, but we're not going to give you half a million dollars so you can buy something that's only worth 480,000. I'm sorry. Thanks, thanks. So that you don't ever have to worry about not being able to afford a property or over feeling like you overpaid for a property because the bank won't let you overpay for a property. They're actually right. they're protecting themselves, but therefore give you some sort of safety, mm. some safety net, so you can feel comfortable with that. That's number one. Number two is let's say in a situation where it says the bank says the house is only worth five hundred thousand, you're willing to pay five fifteen. 
and you say, you know what, I'll cat, I'll pocket the other 15,000 or I'll put in the other 15,000 out of pocket in that situation where you feel like you still overpaid in the end, it's better to overpay than to never buy anything at all. Cause what's mm-hmm. going to happen is you're still going to wreak all the benefits. And in 30 years, those $15,000, you're not going to remember them. I guarantee it. You're not going to feel bullied. You're not going to feel beaten by the market or any type of feeling like that. I've asked a lot of people and they all feel the same way. Hmm. That's something important to keep in mind. Always buy real estate and never let the number um, hold you back from doing something. Okay. So, I mean, from my my experience, a lot of the things that have hold people back or maybe, you know, they thought about real estate is that, I mean, they don't know that it appreciates or even depreciates, mm-hmm. right? They don't know what to do with it. And, often, and so what you're telling me is that this is, there's a time that it depreciates, right? When it comes down to the market value. Yes. Yes. So quick disclaimer on what I just said, mm-hmm. this isn't completely foolproof, but though that's an important word, foolproof. If you okay. do things the right way and have professional help as opposed to doing it yourself, cause you think you found a good deal. Okay. Um, you can put yourself in a pretty good spot if you ask for that professional help. Like you ask a real estate agent, whether it's me or anyone in your community. Right. That, that's number one when it comes to real estate. Ask for help and um, be encouraged to ask several people. Um, don't feel entitled to just one per- or obligated to just one person. Right. Um, now, when I meant back to foolproof, what that means is there's going to be things in contracts, um, things with the bank and things with... Um, and the actual agent themselves that's representing the other side that aren't always in your best interest. So when you go and do things alone, it kind of puts you in a tight spot. So then, and that you only realize once you've fallen into that spot, for example, if you fall into a position where it's a variable interest for a loan. Um, so a lot of us remember the 2008, 2009 from what our right, parents right. are with us. It's because people are getting 90 day loans. And all of a sudden, the interest rate mm-hmm. jumped up dramatically or balloon loans, which means I pay my mortgage fixed for seven years. But then after seven years, I owe all of that money at once or my payment jumps up $1,500. Ah. People in really tight spots. And that's, that's exactly why you need a professional to help you out with that. So ultimately, it comes down to getting the right information. But we don't expect you as the public or as, as an audience to know all those things. And it's not your job. It's your job to find professional help in anything you do whether it's getting the right doctor, the right lawyer, or in this case, the right realtor. Nice. I love the, uh, I love the transparency that you represent, bro, because it shows a lot that in any industries, there's always going to be people who's willing to profit more on their side or who's just looking for their sense of benefit. But then it shows a lot with your character as well, which is why I like you, bro, um, that you're willing that. to you know, work with people. You're looking to see how you can add value versus just like, oh, I'm going to make a profit because it'll make really quick. And oftentimes, I think most of those people don't even stay in the long run. So mm-hmm. let's, let's jump into this other part. Like, obviously, there's different types of real estate, right? Can, can you yeah. kind of like describe that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it pretty much comes down to residential real estate and commercial real estate. So residential is going to be anything that's one to four units, like a uh, house, a condo, apartment, something simple like that, um, or even a, a duplex or a triplex or a quadruplex, right? Once you get into five units or more, or more of a commercial space, um, then you're going to fall into like apartment buildings. You're going to fall into, you know, uh, business, business lots and things like that. And then you also have industrial zones, but um, that's going to be for other specific things that we don't really need to get into. That goes like into this whole other place. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, if you're touching anything commercial, 
make sure I can't stress that more than, you know, residential that gets a lot more complicated. So make sure you also find professional help on that one. Right. I've heard a lot of things after you get out of uh, residential commercial gets even yeah. more complex and I've heard of industrial. So I'm just like, I can't imagine how complexity was even yeah. more. <laughs> That's perfect. I'm glad that. And most of us here, like let's say in Oxford, what mm-hmm. do you see that people that you see most people live in? Uh, good question. So as a lot of people, um, Oh, man, this, I can go real deep into this one. So, okay. okay. Now, nah, as of right now, I try to stay somewhat on the surface. And All right, sounds good. <laughs> if any of your audience has specific questions about anything, then they can like reach out to you and okay. our, we'll mm-hmm. go into that. As of right now, um, California considers itself in a housing crisis. So that's where you see these ideas that that housing market keeps going up, which it is. Um, but for the first time, and I'll get into your question. I'm not leaving it behind. For the first Got it. time. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, we're, we're calling it a dual market. Now, what that means is it's not only a seller's market, it's also a buyer's market because the, the houses are going up, but the interest rates are low. And as a buyer, you shouldn't keep an eye completely on the, on, the, on the price of the home. The interest rates are what kill you or what you know, will make or break a deal. That's it's what I'm trying to say. So um, because of that, California said, okay, um, interest rate, interest rates might be low, but people are still intimidated to buy a house or they may still not be able to afford to or qualify for whatever reason. So what they did is they passed a new law that's called the, the, the accessory dwelling units. Um, they made that legal. So essentially what that is, they basically made it legal to make your, to make your house a duplex. Actually, I want to top off on that. I used to work for a door to door company. And uh, we were, it's a construction company as well. So the door to door was just one of the marketing uh, tactics. And mm. that was one of the services they want to do, an ADU. I remember knocking into everybody's doors. Have you ever thought about, <laughs> uh, I forgot what the pitch was, but the question was, I, I literally would knock on people's door. Hey, my name is Charles. I'm from this company, blah, blah, blah. And uh, right now we're just going out to uh, uh, neighbors to offer you guys a free estimate. Have you guys ever thought about, uh, an, I think I said an ADU or, or having a second source of income with, with using your house or something like that. So yeah. that was a pitch. But that's interesting that you brought that up. So anyways, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, absolutely. And, and that's a good point. There's new companies being created solely off of this. Um, I was talking to one, of the, um, just, well, maybe a month or two ago, and they were talking to me about what their pitch is, what they're trying to do, what their goals are as a company and all that good stuff. And they're really helping a lot of people because this housing um, crisis, uh, whatever we want to reach out and call it, is we're basically making garages livable space so you can rent it out, you know, create a little kitchen. Um, now keep in mind all these things I'm saying, make sure to get it permitted by the city and make sure everything's you know, legal. You can't just make it because of the law says so you still have to go through the permits of the city. Yeah, of course. Um, so that's something important to keep in mind. Um, but now what that means is that there's a lot of families moving into, you know, garages or there's completely brand new, like a duplex being built on a house with a big lot. Because right now, like Oxnard specifically, which is what my specialty is, is South Oxnard has these 8,000 square foot lots and the house is only 1,200 square feet. That gives you an idea of how big the whole lot is. Wow. Now you can build two, three more houses on it. So with that said, they're saying, you know what, you can build another house. And if the garage is there, you can convert the garage too. So that's basically making your house almost a legal triplex. So you're renting out these garages and who lives in these houses? You know, people that are either um, looking for affordable living space or 
you know, young professionals that are trying to save the money to buy their own properties. Nice. Um, and or just families that are getting started. So um, with that said, not only that, but it's being complemented by, you know, people our age, you know, 20 to 25, um, 30 even, living with at home with the family because financially just makes more sense. And it's becoming a more of a big norm. And when I see um, families trying to buy houses, they're starting to buy them as a unit as opposed to, you know, just the son going out to buy with the girlfriend or a wife or, or the other way around. So it's, it's, uh, it's really nice to see that. I know they're doing it from a financial spend standpoint, but families are starting to do it more together and families are starting to stay together longer. So nice. Pretty interesting to see. Yeah, that yeah. is interesting. I know we didn't really uh, touch back into the question. Cause I know, that's actually one of the things that's that's allowed people to live in affordable houses too right but like i mean for our generation often our dreams like to get like a single family home right mm -hmm. the question was what are the range of people amount of people the expenses are when it comes down to renting or living in like an an adu like you mentioned how much usually uh are people paying down if you know they got a mortgage or something you know what i'm saying okay makes sense um let's say like what your monthly costs are if you're a renter versus exactly. a homeowner is that more or less the question yeah, yeah actually that's, that's oh, actually a oh, better question so oh. yeah I'm, I'm still learning about what kind of question to kind of cater this you know <laughs> okay uh good question so the monthly expenses of a homeowner and renter are different because the homeowner is going to have um their principal and interest right which is going to be what you know the renter sees as a rent so a renter and let's say oxnard and for a three bedroom, you're looking at about uh, 2200 for a house, 2300 24 depending on what part of Oxnard you're looking at. If, if that's going to be made the south, or if you're buying a, a condo or, or, or renting a condo or a house, so let's say 2300 um, for easy math or 22. Um, a homeowner for a three bedroom, you're looking at a mortgage of a man, it really changes. Um, like if you're gonna buy a three bedroom right now, your mortgage is somewhere shy of three thousand. Um, I just helped a family that got a house for four seventy five. Um, their mortgage, I think, is about twenty seven eighty, so about twenty eight hundred. So it's in those price ranges. So nice, that's about five hundred dollar difference, right? Now, the mortgages um, for the homeowners are a little higher only because they include property taxes that you don't have to pay as a renter. Um, and that's about 1.125% of whatever the house you get is. So if you pay, you buy a house for $500,000, your mortgage taxes are going to be about um, $6,000 more or less, somewhere around there. Okay. okay. So somewhere shy of that. So that's included. Um, that's yearly too. So um, there's that. You're also going to, um, if you guys want to make, I don't know if you want to make a list about this, but um, you're going to have a $6,000 payment every year um, for like indefinitely. And you're also going to have your principal and your interest. So that's $3,000. The renter's going to have, let's say, $2,300. If you want to add to that, you're also going to have um, things like the – actually, no, I want to say that's pretty much it. It's just going to be those $600 because everything's already included in the – I don't know if you want to – you want to redo that one, that whole question? Uh, no, no. I just wanted to see what the average kind of cost was. I, I guess I kind of split it off too much because my way of questioning about it wasn't as a – as direct because I, I'm like not specialized obviously as you guys can see however I wanted to make this as general as possible for people listening into the podcast so I, I think you did a pretty great job kind of uh, tackling the basic yeah. stuff ultimately yeah. that was that would be a breakdown of mm -hmm. what goes into the $3,000 whether it's going to be your mortgage insurance tax yeah. 
and the interest in the principle. Okay, cool. So with that being said, um, because this is a younger generation podcast, like what, how, how do you see real estate being important to our generation today? Uh, how do I see real estate being important to generation today? Like, I, mean, I, I think there's three things that I noticed that might be important is, you know, how we can live, which is why I asked, you know, how much does it usually cost? We want to know how much it, uh, the expenses is for the younger generation and also how we can make money out of it. Like if we do want to invest in it in our portfolios and also how it impacts our life. Maybe we're, like you said, maybe we're looking yeah. to provide something for long-term for our family, which is maybe an ADU might do well. So I guess that's kind of the, you know, three things okay. that I feel why it might be important. So you want to tackle up on that? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's a big topic. So I'll try to see if I, if I can point in a direction to give this okay. kind of cool, cool. meeting. So, how it affects like our daily lives. Um, so that's going to, it's going to be the way um, we have, you know, something as simple as peace of mind. Um, I'm going to keep using Oxnard as an example because it's a place, you know, where, where I focus in. so Oxnard used to have a really bad reputation about 1980s, 1990s for being, you know, a very gang focused neighborhood. So that's where you see a lot of uh, graffiti crews, a lot of gangs and not a lot of um, crime. So Oxnard is, re- you know, very famous for that. That really did go away once the housing prices went up a lot because, you know, we started getting a lot more homeowners moving into the neighborhood because um, when the prices go up, you're getting more homeowners as opposed to investors. You're getting the investors to live here as opposed to just using it as flips and things like that. So once that started happening, it became just a nicer neighborhood. So now people like you and me, Charles, can enjoy Oxter knowing that it's a safer neighborhood. So we have better peace of mind. We can feel comfortable walking, you know, and in the morning as well as the night now. Um, and people like a lot of the ranchers that used to live in Oxnard that it became too expensive for start moving out to Lancaster, Lancaster, Palmdale, and even Bakersfield. So that's how it affects our daily lives. It tells us who are the people that are living around us are. Um, and that's a really important thing that it's very subtle because we don't really pay attention to that, but it's something we need to kind of keep in mind because it tells us what kind of lives we're going to live in because, you know, it's our neighbors. It's the people we're going to be associated with all the time. So that's number one, sim- um, simply put, um, the way it affects the way we make money. Um, because if you look at the market um, and this whole COVID-19 quarantine thing is a great example of what I want to say next. Usually, let's say when the recession happens, um, the people start feeling very strict with their money because they don't know what's happening. So this creates cert- uncertainty. And when this happens, they don't want to go out to the movies anymore or go to restaurants and spend that extra hundred dollars, $60, you know, every week. And when this happens, the businesses start to feel that. And when that happens, they start laying off um, their expenses, which is going to be the employees. It's going to be one of the main expenses. Once this happens, those same employees that aren't getting the same tips, they're not getting the same hours, they're not getting the, the job anymore at some points. Then what's happening is that they become even stricter with their money and the cycle gets even worse until eventually um, we get to a point where everything's just so cheap that it just makes sense to still buy it. So that's when the market starts picking back up. That's how the, econo- the economy works. So in a, in a simple way. Now, right now the market, it's still really strong, which is really interesting to see because right now, and it's so interesting to say this out loud, I'm getting more um, contact and activity from people that are saying, how do I buy a house? than I was Wow. Three months ago. It's insane. 
really? and asking me, what can I do after, like, what, when can we go see houses after this whole quarantine thing is done? Can we go see houses? Do I get pre-qualified? What, what do I do next? And it's, it's amazing to see that. And what I'm trying to do is stay on top of the market and kind of see what's it doing. So nice. now back to the question, though. Um, usually the market is going to be the, the one that dictates how everything moves forward. But in this case, the market's still going very strong. The COVID-19 is what's putting businesses in a tight spot and just kind of skipping all those, you know, the first two, three steps. So where we start seeing this thing with the people getting um, tighter and stricter with their money. Um, so it's really interesting to see how it's affecting us. Um, so right now in a marketplace that we don't understand, we need to kind of just do our best to stay informed and updated on, on you know, what to do. And we do that by watching, you know, Charles podcast and things like this, where we get <laughs> type of source that we can, so we can make the best decision possible. So those are the very simple things that we need to keep in mind when we're looking at the market. That's awesome. I didn't even consider that maybe people might be looking into it now. Um, when you said there was a lot of people hitting you up, was it people that are looking to be homeowners more or people that are like investors? Um, you're getting, you're getting both sides. Um, when you're getting, you're getting both of it. So when we're looking at, in this case, we'd almost want to call it like, and man, it's so interesting to say, I'm getting activity from both. Um, so I'm still fairly young enough to not have too many investors. I have about five, six investors that I, you know, that I trust and, you know, are qualified to be called investors. Nice. And I'm working with, you know, the public that anyone that wants to look to buy a house here in Oxnard or Ventura County for that matter. So uh, I'm getting, you know, names and activity from both. Right now, I also have ads being posted on social media saying, hey, are you guys still interested in buying a house? And they reach out. And, you know, this started back in February or January. And I was getting, you know, a few, a few leads a day, but that literally doubled as soon as we went into quarantine. Wow. Why? It, it might I was going to ask you, why do you think that? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> so, um, why it, that might be because people have, you know, have almost nothing else to do because they, they don't want to go out because they're respecting what the government's asking of them, you know, oh. and they're staying on social media. Um, let, let's, let's assume that was true though. Why would they click on ads about real estate when, you know, they're supposed to stay indoors? So it, it, it puts me in a really interesting position as to what should I make of this? Um, yep. But ultimately I'm just trying to, you know, do my job as a realtor and just say, you know what, I need to just stay informed, stay on top yeah, of it. Yeah, so yeah. I must I like ask that. questions. I'm always ready, um, whether we're in quarantine or not. I love that. And the funny thing is, my last series was more business too. And uh, it they talk about how this is a good time for also to market people are at home. So like a lot of these ads are becoming more effective. Hell, I'm fucking like getting more ads toward me and I'm clicking on them and I'm just like, dude, this is dope. I'm gonna buy shit. <laughs> but like, yeah. <laughs> not, a lot, not a lot, not a lot of little liabilities, no, which is, which is sure. interesting in my end. But uh, on that end, that's, that's dope, you know? So, um, for, for anybody listening, uh, how, how do we get involved in real estate? I, I think it would determine what kind of, what our intentions would be first, right? Yeah, I mean, ultimately it's um, first, you, t you need to organize yourself in whatever you're trying to do. So you organize your expenses, um, what you could afford. And then what's gonna be next is you're gonna see that it's a lot easier to get into a home than a lot, what a lot of people think. So. As of right now, we're um, like Charles and I, we're, we're planning on having a lender, uh, Johnny Mercado, stop by and kind of see what does it take to get into a home from the lending side of it, from the financing side. Um, but just to give you a gist of what you can do of that is like, for example, my team, we got uh, a family into a house 
with a grant from the government for about set like for about seventy thousand dollars. They got a grant of seventy. That's from federal, city, and state, and that was a huge big deal. A lot of questions. Have, a lot of people have questions. Wow. About that. Yeah, it's insane. So there, there's that. And number two, we got um, not me. I don't want to say me. We're, but we're using the same <laughs> lender, uh, and I'll get into. Uh, we we're using the same lender that got a gentleman into a condo for out of pocket seventeen hundred dollars. The cost of a used car, a thousand and seven hundred dollars. That's closing cost. That's down payment. That's everything. And two months later, his mortgage payment starts. Oh, it, wow. it, was, it was insane. And now to give you another example, my friend and I, or Chris, he's in some of my Instagram videos that he got a family into uh, in Santa Paula, four hundred fifty thousand dollar home, mm-hmm. and he got them in for I think a little shy of five thousand dollars. Like it's so much easier to get into a home than people think um, they're just intimidated by these half a million dollar figures. Yeah, yeah. Is there usually higher figures to get involved when, if they're trying to be a homeowner or? Um, no, it's, it, it's really, I mean, there, there's a possibility to add bigger down payments and obviously the less or the more money you put down, the less your mortgage might be or the easier okay. to, to have a more comfortable payment. At the same time, if your goal is to get into a home, you should, you should, you should be more in, um, you should not only feel, you know, don't hesitate to do it or to look into it, but feel encouraged to because there's so many programs available for you that well, you don't even know about. And it's not your fault. Nobody tells you about these things. And it's hard to market them because they change all the time. Um, but now at the same with keeping that in mind, now that you've seen this podcast and you're saying, you know what? No, I still need to save money for my down payment or I have bad credit or there's so many things you can do to offset those things. Well, I say, you know what? I have a good, a good paying job, but I have student loans. So I don't know if I could afford a house because it wouldn't make sense. There's so many programs that are available to you. Here's one. I just got my degree this year. Um, but you know, I haven't, I, um, I haven't found a job or I'm about to get a job in two months or three months or whatever. Your experience getting your degree is called is, is a, gives you the ability to qualify to buy a loan. Seriously. Isn't that insane? And nobody knows about that. Students aren't marketed that. They don't know about it because um, for whatever reason, it's just not something that, you know, people click on, you know? So it's something that you kind of need to go out and look for. Um, So as of right now, if you're looking into buying real estate, it's about either talking to a real estate agent or at least talking to a lender. Mm-hmm. And don't ever feel obligated. We don't charge anything to give you a private consultation or even an on-the-phone conversation or you know anything like it. That's good, something. man. Love it. So that's important to know as well. Um, so what about on the other side? People, obviously, people are homeowners, but people who are looking to get investments involved, usually you know, they want to rent out the properties or mm-hmm. they want to fix and flip properties or maybe what other options can you go about um, residential? That's pretty much it, right? Re- uh, like, I mean, so yeah, there's there's several things to it. Like you can uh, contract and wholesale, yeah, I guess. But uh, yeah, you can wholesale. There's <laughs> uh, let's not even wake up that beast, you know. But <laughs> no, let's let's no. take the wholesale wholesaling file because I know that's a little complex, even on my end. That was hard <laughs> to grasp. <laughs> okay, so yeah, there's there's okay, there's a few ways you can go about with an investment in real estate. So there's four huge things to real estate that you can take advantage of. And we'll get into that in one of the further questions that um, I know you have. So, but ultimately to like find an investment, um, it's going to be you. Okay. You're going to have about a 5% to 6% return on your investments now. 
that's going to be more or less what the what the average is right now and that's a pretty decent investment especially for real estate is that because of the people that's giving you return on as a payment monthly for uh, the, yeah, the so, fees yes exactly so that's going to be like let's say i buy a house more or less a good return is about five to six percent that's a good return and that's a decent return um you might have smaller returns when it comes to bigger properties um that's something to kind of keep in mind as well you might have a smaller return um, but five or six percent is a decent return. Again, it really depends on what your risk is and what the aggressiveness is. Um, you can uh, have that's um, interesting. But something I like about real estate is that if you almost want to consider it a spectrum with in regards to investment, you have safety on this side, which is going to be like bonds, you know, which is, you know, when you loan the government money and they give you a one, two percent interest rate for about five, 10, 15, 20 years. And then you have stocks, which can go up dramatically, but can come down dramatically too. So the aggressiveness is there. So safety and aggressiveness with real estate, I don't even want to say it's in the middle. With real estate, you're getting the best of you know aggressive growth through like something like stocks. And you're getting the safety net from bonds because you're always going to need real estate. So it's something, you know, it's a really important thing that I want to like, you know, make a distinction of because it just makes sense to still buy real estate. Um, but in regards to, you know, percentages and more or less, it really depends on every house. A standard decent return on a rental property should be about 5 to 6% return. Anything above that, I would consider, you know, extra gravy. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, anything, anything below that would just have to be a really good deal in your case. Aside from the percentage, I know obviously you could do some research and that reach out to people like you to look into sure. the market. Um, aside, let's say I wanted to get, I wanted to rent out a property right now. Mm -hmm. right how would i go about that okay so the actual process let's say you know charles you found a house you bought it you're you're an escrow you just closed on it okay now what you know like and now you're a sitting duck with a mortgage that's coming that's coming in a month or two right so right. you want to rent it out awesome so um obviously you can hire a property management company but if you were going to do it yourself which i recommend you do at least for your first one um so you get the experience of how that deal with tenants, how to deal with, um, you know, problems that might arise and all that kind of good stuff is number one, keep in mind prevention is better than the cure. So your biggest, your biggest gonna, um, hurdle is going to be making sure that you don't become impatient about finding the right tenant and just, you know, letting someone go in because, um, your mortgage is coming up and you don't want to pay an extra, you know, $3,000 because you didn't really have to, because you could have gotten a tenant for that makes sense so okay. that's gonna be your biggest hurdle don't get impatient try to look for the right one um in regards to finding the right one there's so many things that can go into about you know what kind of keep things to keep in mind you know um it's going to come down to simply put ability to repay so um a lot of people that are you know renting out their properties they're saying you know what you gotta make sure you look at their credit um you gotta make sure that you know they're good people and those but there's a really hard way there's a really hard um it's a really hard process to kind of you know just judge someone off of personality and how you guys meet because one Makes thing sense. to keep in mind is that on a first date everyone is on their best behavior that's true everyone is on their best behavior that includes renters when you're trying to rent out a property um, and if you're a renter and you're trying to rent somewhere else keep these things in mind you should do the same you know dress dress to impress you know look presentable you know very, speak with um you know for, um, for formal english you know speak correctly be kind be courteous and um, don't get upset for whatever reason and just be as nice as possible. 
as a homeowner and someone that's going to rent out a property, keep that in mind. You want to make sure that, you know, you don't fall for the, you know, oh, we're really nice people and then fall into a really tight spot because, you know, me and my dad were renting out a property and, you know, we did the same thing. We were trying to be the nice guys and um, it, we, it was this huge, huge problem with this whole eviction thing and it was just nasty. We can talk about that in the future, but it's something that I learned firsthand. So, you know, and then the investors tell you, AI agent, you got to watch out for that. And I say, you know, I wish I would have learned this a lot sooner, but okay, it's awesome. I learned it now. I'm done with it. So keep that in mind. Everybody's on their best behavior. So when you're looking at someone to let them into the home as an, as a renter, don't look at credit. Uh, that's going to be important, but don't let that be the focus like other people do. Ability to repay is more important. So um, that what I mean by that is what kind of job do they have? Um, is it is it stable? Is it a stable job? And not only that, but are they um, now how much money do they have in the bank as well? So you can ask for bank statements to see like if they have, you know, um, six dollars in the bank, eight dollars in the bank, but they're making you know forty five thousand a year. You know, it, it's they're making okay money to rent out the place, but you're not going to feel comfortable if they go wrong with one month because they have no savings behind them. So. Um, that, that's something you want to keep in mind as well. Ability to repay is going to be key. Ability to repay, not credit and not anything else. Ability to repay. That's really important. Okay, cool. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. That's a good insight when it comes down to looking for people. So what, I, what I'm seeing is once you actually secure a house and you have it, it's under your title, whether you get a loan or you pay it all in cash, which who knows who will be able to do that. Sure. Um, that means you'll have to just market for tenants, people who is actually looking for um, you know, or you can have a property management do all that, and you then that's when all the process start. Just know, like, you have, you have to sign like a some sort of LLC mm-hmm. in order to actually rent right. out a place out. Uh, yeah, and good question. I didn't even go into that. I'm, I'm sorry about that. So that's all good. Uh, let yeah, let's say you have the house now. Um, the way you market for the tenant that you're looking for is you're gonna go on every real estate website possible. So that's gonna be include um, Zillow, you know, Trulia, Muli, all those kind of websites. And you just put, you know, a house for rent. Um, simple as that. Um, you can also hire a real estate agent to do that. Um, and they'll do it for you. Again, that's not necessarily property management, but they'll just get you a tenant. Um, so that's something that's a lot more affordable. Um, but it really depends up to you. Now, but you can, again, put it on Craigslist, Trulia, Bradfin, Zillow, all those kind of places. And just kind of put beautiful three-bedroom house for rent. Here's the rent reach out to me with this number. So it's nothing too difficult on that part. Um, what you, and you don't need to be an LLC or any type of corporation. It can just be you renting it out to another person. Um, but you should always make sure to get a lease signed. And again, this is what it, when it comes down to that whole thing where you want to have a professional, you know, a realtor look at it. And usually everybody has a friend in the business that's, that's a realtor. Um, if you don't feel comfortable reaching out to them for whatever reason you want to mix family with, um, with business, um, reach out to somebody else, make sure somebody looks over, um, that lease and consider and try to look for someone that has a rental property as well, because, you know, I might be able to share with you something that, you know, someone that, you know, joined the business, you know, two years ago wouldn't have, yeah. you know, would, would have been me uh-huh. and that, so it's important to know that. Cool. Cool, man. That's awesome. It's yeah. actually, it sounds a lot more simpler than when you put it. That's that's why you gotta have a professional like Adrian, right? And that just simplify it for you. Cause my sure. head would be like, dude, what do I do first? You know? Okay. And so- uh, other than that, guys, for anybody listening, thanks for tuning in. I'm looking forward to see what this series can do for you guys. So uh, stay tuned. Thanks again for listening, guys.
Yo, what's up, podcast listeners? If you are listening this far, I just want to let you know I genuinely appreciate your support for being able to listen. And if it does pique your interest and this is the type of podcast you like, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and subscribe so that you can get more features in the future. Or for Spotify, follow so that you can stay up to date. Or follow me on the Instagram account at CharlesCreates underscore. And for the rest of season three, all the way until November of this year, I'll be making podcasts with different series tackling different broads of categories. So if you know anybody who might be perfect for these series that I've done in the past for the next season, contact me. And also, I am currently looking for sponsors. So if you know anybody or have a business that you want to promote, contact me at info at onthegovoice.com so we can talk about business. Okay. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of the show.